of generous living. First week, that was a couple weeks ago, we said the reason for generosity, the motivation for us becoming generous people is because the greatest of all givers is Jesus Christ. So that's the reason. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 to 8 tells us that Jesus willingly left the splendor and the glory of heaven. It also says Jesus' very nature is God. He's deity. Jesus was and always will be 100% God, second person of the Trinity. He is the one who spoke the galaxies into existence. Think about that. Jesus, and you ever wonder, let there be light. Or I, I'm not exactly sure how exactly he said it, but he spoke it and the billions, hundreds of billions of galaxies and each galaxy has hundreds of billions of stars, that was the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, who did that. And that awesome second person of the Trinity, Jesus, willingly left the awesomeness of heaven and took on the confinement of skin and bones. And you understand the confinement of skin and bones. We all do. We get it. And now he gets it too. And he knew that his ultimate destination, where was the ultimate destination? that Philippians 2, 5 uh, through 8 says. He was going where? He's going to the Roman cross. He was going to endure the, the horrors of the cross, and he was going to endure a borrowed grave for three days. And who did he do that for? For us, yeah. For, for you and for me. The greatest demonstration of giving and love and generosity is Jesus Christ. What he's done, what he continues to do today, and he's still going to be doing stuff in the future. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he's not done? He's still going to be active and alive in our lives. Therefore, Jesus is the reason for us to become generous, even when it costs, even when being generous is a sacrifice, even when being generous hurts. That's what Jesus accomplished for us, and he's the reason He's the motivation for us becoming generous. Uh, do you remember uh, the dime from last week? Anybody uh, still got your dime or did you all spend it? Yeah. Oh, by the way, somebody sent me a picture that was kind of fun. There is something you can do for a penny. And uh, they, they sent me a, a picture of their son on the pony at Myers for a penny. So we did find something you can do. Uh, it has value for So if you... Uh, Want to uh, take your dime down, you can get 10 horsey rides. There you go. Uh, last week, we looked at a poor widow who came onto the radar screen of Jesus the very last week of his life, Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. And the poor widow does something that Jesus said is a really big deal. Remember what she did? She put her last two mites, her last two leptas, her entire life savings, which it was worth at that time about a quarter of a penny. And uh, she willingly put in the last that she had into the temple box, giving it unto the Lord. Jesus wants us to get to the point where like this widow in Mark 12, we're willing to give Jesus our last dime. Or uh, as we said last week in that story, if you only have two french fries left in your, in your bag, 
You're willing even to take the last two fries and give them to Jesus. That's where he wants us to get to. He wants us to learn to be generous and a giving people. Today we're going to examine the greatest danger for followers of Jesus Christ in 2018. Okay? What do you think is the greatest danger to our faith as followers of Jesus? Just think about it. Sin, somebody said, yep, that, but we're talking specific sin. What has the most potential to de- derail our daily walk with Jesus Christ? Some would argue the greatest danger to us as followers of Jesus, say it with me, is what? Secular, okay, you wake up there in the balcony? Good. Uh, secular humanism. Uh, Here's what Carl Sagan defined secular humanism as. He says, The universe is all that is, or ever was, or ever will be. And the truth is, we're kind of surrounded by that thinking. There is no God. Everything in the universe is merely a product of evolution. It's taken root in our schools, it's taken root in government, it's taken root in uh, cinema popularly, in books and magazines. Everywhere you turn, secular humanism rules the day in our culture today. Others would say, no, I think the greatest danger to Christians today is new age thinking. Now, uh, just try to get your arms around New Age thinking. It's, it's interesting. Uh, basically, it means uh, fill your tray of beliefs with whatever you want to fill your life with. In other words, it's kind of choose your own religion. Make it up. Uh, you make up the rules, and you find the God within yourself, however you can do that best. That's basically what, and, and it's all over the map, They say God is everything, all things are one, your experience validates your own truth. Um, I'll resist the urge to say that the queen of New Age thinking is Oprah, because some of you like her, but it's true. Uh, But anyway, uh, all things are God, everything is God, make up your own religion. Uh, All paths, of course, they would say, lead to God. I mean, you can make your own path. Um, Other people would say, I think the greatest danger to followers of Jesus today are false teachers and cults. Uh, Some would say, no, no, it's the folks who twist and bend and distort what God's word, the Bible, has to say. And and they they oftentimes rule uh, our our TV telecasts, uh, folks who claim to love Jesus, and yet they take God's word and make it say pretty much whatever they want it to mean. Uh, But usually they leave out the fact that Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. They, They usually don't mention that salvation is available only by faith alone in Christ alone. They rarely mention that this is God's book, verbally, literally inspired from beginning to end. Uh, They just have an agenda, and they want to express it loudly. Now, please let me say quickly, I'm not denying 
that secular humanism is a danger to us. It is. I'm not denying that New Age thinking is a problem. It is. I'm certainly not denying that false teachers and cults are not dangerous and damaging to followers of Jesus. But I'm suggesting, and I think Jesus would agree, that there's something that's even more dangerous than those. Today, we're going to talk about the danger of materialism. Material. You can write it down if you're taking notes. It's that constant pull that we all feel that i got to have more and more. i got lots of stuff, but I need new and better stuff. Uh, I, I want the latest and the greatest stuff. I, I got a perfectly good uh, driver in my bag for playing golf, but don't you know it's five years old? And I'm telling you, there, there's this new one that promises that it's going to add 20 yards, and I'm going to be always down the middle. So I got to have, Ron, I got to have the newest and the latest and the greatest, uh, and, and I got to have the best golf ball that they're offering now, which, by the way, they're up to five and six dollars each for a golf ball uh, that many of us lose. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's beside the point. Most Americans sadly buy into this lie. Life is all about gathering and possessing stuff. It's all about accumulating money and then you have security and then you can buy more stuff. There's this little saying, the one with the most toys, what? But the, I, like, I like this word, but it says, but they still die. Yeah. Yeah. So if you see that, and, and by the way, I've seen it on t-shirts, bumper stickers, license plates, uh, it's all over. The one with the most toys wins. I would argue living in one of the wealthiest countries at the one of the richest times in our history, it's tempting, it's really tempting to fall into the trap of materialism, which means if I could just drive this kind of car, and you can fill in the blank, right, uh, what that might be, but if I could just have this new shiny mobile, then truly I would be happy. Or if I could just live in that house, and usually up here that means I want it to be bigger than what I'm in and closer to the water than where I'm at right now. Okay? If, if I could just get this amount of money in my check every week, then I'd have it made. Uh, if I could just uh, have this kind of boat, and typically if you got a boat, it means if I could just have a boat that's five foot longer and bigger and nicer than the current boat that I have. Uh, or if I could just get rid of this old Callaway, uh, Ron, or, or if I could just trade in my old iPhone 4. Or my, you know, I'm, I'm like way in the past, I've got the iPhone 5. If I could get rid of the iPhone 6, because it's like nothing, it's old. Or if I could just get the, you know, the 10, then... Wow, everybody knows I've, I've arrived. So, so I, I want the 10 because uh, that, that's, I've hit the jackpot. Here's what Jesus said instead. Okay? That, that's what materialism pulls at us. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Look what it says up here. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. The, the truth is, 
We're, we're kind of wired to be greedy. I, I want more. I, I want better. I want new. And then he says, here's the fact. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. <laughs> so the lie, you've got to have more stuff. It's got to be newer. got to be nicer. The one with the most toys wins. Jesus says, Luke 12, verse 15, that's a lie. Watch out for that kind of lie. It's not true. Life isn't all about possessions. It's not all about treasure. It's not all about money. So, here's the question we're going to try to answer today. How do we battle materialism in this world we live in? By the way, it's bad (laughs) here. All around us, it's pulling at us. It's constantly tempting us. How can we resist the pull and tug of materialism in our lives? Would you take out your phone and go to Matthew chapter 6? Or grab your Bible, if you're old school, which is just great. Go to Matthew chapter 6. And it's just great if you've got your phone. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to look at the subject of materialism, our treasure on earth, from the words and the instructions of Jesus Christ. Uh, Slide down to verses 19 to verse 24. I'd like you to stand with me if you're able. We're going to read out loud together strongly the clear words of Jesus on how we should view our treasure, how we should view our money. Would you read with me? Here we go. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray. Lord, I uh, recommend, I realize that uh, this is a touchy subject we're going to hit on today. So Lord, uh, help Jeff to get out of the way, because the last thing we need to hear is from his goofy lips. But Lord, instead, help us to focus today on what you have to say from your word. You inspired Matthew to write these words down exactly as you intended. And Lord, uh, you not only inspired them, but you've preserved them for us down through the centuries. So thank you for that. So as we dig in on the subject of money and possessions and treasure, Lord, we truly desire to understand what you have to say on the subject. Lord, some here today are already doing great in this area. And I pray, Lord, that they might feel encouraged and affirmed by your book. 
And Lord, uh, none of us have arrived. We're all in process. Lord, for those who are doing well in this area, Lord, might you nudge them the next step of the, the journey you have in mind for them. I pray also, Lord, for those of us who are still very much in process here. Some of us really still greatly are tempted and struggle with the lure and the temptation of stuff. We want to build up our treasure chest. We want more money in our bank accounts, Lord. We, we want the latest and the greatest. And Lord, the truth is, this is uh, that place that we struggle most. So I pray especially for those who are here that are in that camp. Would you speak real loud to us, to me? Make yourself clear. And Lord, we don't want to just hear your book. We want to be ready to adjust our lives in your power, uh, align our lives up with the truth of your word. So Lord, speak. We're listening. We're ready to hear from you, and we're ready to respond as you speak clearly. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you may be seated. Jesus begins, Matthew 6, 19, with a negative command. Interesting. Negative. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Matthew 6, 19. Uh, natural question, why not? <laughs> okay, Why shouldn't we be storing up treasure on earth? Jesus continues, verse 19, because on earth moth and rust destroy and decays our treasure. We accumulate all this treasure, and Jesus is saying your house is beginning to crumble, fall into disrepair. Your cars are going to break down. Your boats are going to grow old and won't float anymore. Denise and I recently had an opportunity to uh, tour through an old house of a man who died. And honestly, this man rarely maybe never threw anything away, okay? No, know any of those kind of places? Anyway, um, and he had boats that were all useless. He had cars that were once new and shiny that would not drive anymore. He had campers that were filled with mice and no one wanted to stay in. He had food uh, Not just a little food that was canned. I'm talking massive amounts of food that was canned, all spoiled, not fit to eat. Uh, Tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff that you couldn't even give away. If if you went over and you said, hey, uh, here, you can have this, you'd say, "Uh, I don't want a boat that won't float. I don't want uh, a car that's, that's all rusty and decay and missing parts. No thanks, you can keep the mice, uh, the camper filled with mice. I, I'm not interested. Uh, you're going to have to pay lots of money to bring in lots of dumpsters to throw all that stuff away. That's the point that Jesus is making here. He says, continues, uh, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, 
because it's just going to crumble. It's going to be worthless. And where thieves break in and steal. The problem with treasure here on earth is it can be stolen away. I would ask, you ever had anything of value stolen? Anybody? Any of you ever had anything that, uh, tell me, what kind of things have you had that were stolen from you? That, that somebody took, it didn't belong to them, and now they took your item. Somebody tell me. Go ahead. You've had your purse. Now that's, that's kind of personal. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Weeks pay, driver's license, somebody else. What have you had stolen? Tim. Brand new three-wheeler. Did you ever get it back, Tim? You did. Good. Was it in the same condition? Nice. Did you ever get your purse back? No. <laughs> no purse back. Anybody else? What did you have stolen? Jerry? Snowblower? Okay. Ouch. Did, ever, did you ever find it? No. Gone. Anybody else? Myron, do you ever have anything stolen? Engine out of a vehicle. Out of a vehicle. <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> and did you ever find your engine? You did. <laughs> wow. Again, uh, here's, here's the point that Jesus is making. All treasure we have on earth is temporary. All the, all the things that we value here on earth is temporary. Here's what Billy Graham said. I didn't know this was him who said it. But here's what Billy said. He said, I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. It's true. Never. You can't take your stuff with you. Instead, here's what Jesus recommends. That's the negative. Don't, don't build up your treasure here on earth. Verse 20, here's what Jesus says. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. Question is, what's treasure in heaven? What's tre- okay, the, the simplest definition is, it's, it's those things that we get to take with us to face-to-face eternal life with Jesus. In other words, after we die, it lasts. It's those efforts we go to to share Jesus with people. That would be the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, And it's not always just when you get to harvest and lead someone to Christ. It could be you live Jesus in front of them for days and weeks and months on the job or at school or in your neighborhood. And then you water and then someone else might come along and actually be the harvester. Um, It's obedience to God's book. And I'm undoing this not so I look good and religious, but I'm obedient because this is your word, Lord, and I'm committed to doing it and living your way. That lasts. That, that will have value beyond the grave. It's all the good works that we do in the power as we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? It's I took the time to get connected to the vine I took the time daily to abide with Jesus and allowed his spirit and him to rule and reign on on the throne of my life. And everything done in the power of the Holy Spirit is going to last. And everything we do in our own strength, our own power, our own effort, what does that become? Anybody remember? Corinthians says it pretty well. It becomes wood, hay, and, and stubble. And that stuff is going to what? 
It's all going to burn up. You're you're not going to have anything to show for that. It's using our time, our talent, our treasure to advance the cause and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Make sense? That's the treasure that lasts. Jesus says, my bank, the bank of King Jesus, is safe and secure and nothing can be stolen and nothing will ever be destroyed when you bank it with me. Make regular deposits into my bank, Jesus says, and the interest that accrues is out of this world. Make sense? The interest that you're going to get by depositing in my bank, Jesus says, it's going to be, you'll never regret banking your time, your talent, your treasure with me. Let me give you a little uh, picture here, okay? Let's see, who... uh, who can be my helper? Anybody uh, up to it? Hey, Don, come on. Yeah, we'll let our general come up here. Uh, I need you. I need you. You weren't a general. You were close, though. Come on. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. We're not going to say that, Don. Okay. Yeah, stretch that out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, you can stop. Okay. This is representing recorded time for us. Okay. So you're uh, in the beginning, okay? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he spoke, Genesis 1-1, okay? And down here, this is uh, Revelation 21. New heaven, new earth, eternal life with Jesus begins, okay? So now, here's what I want you to do. On, on this, in the beginning, down through new heaven and new earth, this is all of recorded time. Think about it. Where's your life? And here's the thing I want you to think. Okay, let's say we're uh, right here. I would argue this is us. We're like one little dot in terms of all of history. We're like a dot. We're like here today and you got it. You got it. Here's what Ecclesiastes says. Uh, We're like, our lives are like um, the steam that comes off your coffee in the morning. You understand? You like it hot, you like the steam, and you watch the steam and it goes, and how long does the steam last? Just just like here and poof, it's gone. That's us, right here, got the dot. This represents you, Don. Uh, I'm a little younger than you. I'm going to move my dot over just a little bit over here. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. The dots were pretty close, okay? But you understand? Uh, You're a dot. Now here's what Jesus says, think with me. You can leverage your dot and make a difference for all of eternity. Think about it. Your your time, your talents, your treasure can make an eternal impact on this world. So in some ways, we're just like a little dot. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I want you to invest in my kingdom and you can make an eternal impact on how you use the time, the talent, the treasure that I give you. Now, I don't know about you. How many of you say, you know, I'd really like to make a difference in this one and only life? Anybody other than me? I mean, down deep, I think, we all thank you, Don. Nice job. Okay. Here, I'll let you figure out since you're so smart. Yeah, figure that out, would you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was going to let you figure that one out. You can put it right there. Yeah, nice job. Nice job, Don. By the way, he and his wife, Martha, are our Financial Peace University people. And uh, D 
digging in quite nicely with groups of people down over the years, and uh, we'll probably talk a little more uh, in the next few weeks about some of what they're all about. Everything we give in Jesus' name and the power of the Spirit has the potential to make an eternal impact. That, that, that speaks to me, okay? Uh, verse 21, Jesus continues his message. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is kind of like the key verse here. For where your treasure is, your heart's going to follow. Here's how Chip Ingram says it. Where your money goes, your heart flows. Where your money goes, your heart flows. Say it with me. Where your money goes, your heart flows. Wherever you and I are putting our money, it's just natural. Our hearts, our priorities, our passion, our focus follows our money. And here's the truth. Jesus doesn't want, Jesus doesn't need your money. Think about it. He owns everything. He spoke everything into it. Jesus doesn't want, Jesus doesn't need our money. But Jesus does want our hearts. And he knows if he doesn't have our stuff, if we're not open-handed with our stuff, he doesn't have our hearts. So the way to our hearts is through our stuff. When I lay spiritual treasure, all my time, talent, treasure, and that clearly is yours, Lord, then it's clear that my heart belongs to him. Now, verses 22 and 23, we're going to go through pretty quick because Jesus is making a point. Uh, Verses 22 and 23, Jesus says, the eyes are the lamp of the body. Our eyes are the flashlight of our body. The idea here is if your eyes are good, if you're focused on Jesus and his kingdom, then of course, if you're seeing correctly, then you're going to be generous and giving with what the king gives you. You tracking? It's going to be obvious. If your eyes are good, then you're going to be a generous giver back to Jesus and his kingdom with what he's given you. But if your eyes are bad, and this was an ancient way of, if you have an evil eye, you know how you some say, give me the old skunk eye, give me the evil eye? Well, in Jesus' day, if you had an evil eye, it referred to the fact that you were selfish and greedy. You, you, you were like that rich old fool who uh, stored up in barns, and then Jesus says, sorry, uh, your soul is required today. You're going to forfeit everything. He, if you were selfish and greedy, it says your life is going to be filled with darkness like Ebenezer Scrooge, if you remember. Uh, Filled with miserable stinginess is the idea if you've got dark eyes. Verse 24, Jesus concludes with a pretty sobering warning, I think. No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. And notice his final sentence. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God 
and money. Okay? Those of you who would like to participate, would you stand? I want to do a little experiment with you. If, if you're feeling grumpy and tired, just stay seated. But uh, otherwise, you can stand if you're able. I get it. Not everybody can. Okay? Here's the experiment. Okay? And, and I'll do it with you. Uh, I want you to go to your right. Got it? So we're going to move to your right. And at the same time, I'd like you to move to your left. Go. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of this, or a lot of this, okay? But the truth is, think about it, you're, you're going to your right, and then you're going to your left, okay? Uh, and, and the truth that Jesus has just stated clearly, you can't go right and left at the same time. Doesn't it feel good to stretch a little bit? Yeah, yeah, you can be seated. Thanks for participating in this very important experiment. We've proven what Jesus has said very clearly You can't serve two masters. Say it with me. You can't serve two masters. You cannot follow and serve Jesus and at the same time follow and serve money. Can't do it. Many Christians, okay, and I have to be honest, I thought I was the exception to this rule. I thought, I think I'm the exception to this. I'm pretty sure that I, like Peter, remember what Peter said? Everybody else will desert you, Jesus, but I never will. He was the exception. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm the one that can serve you and my money at the same time. So look back at the, at the verse. Look what it says, verse 24. Um, no exceptions to this fact. Either Jesus is king and ruler and focus of your life or your stuff your treasure, your money is the master of your life. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot, we cannot serve both. Now, first 20 years of my life, my focus, and I told everybody, must have driven my parents crazy, but my stated purpose in life I am going to be filthy rich. And I am going to accumulate millions upon millions of dollars. And that will give me great power and influence. And I won't have to have people telling me what to do. I'm going to tell everybody else what to do. So lots and lots of money, lots and lots of power and influence. Well, I'm not going to go deep because you've heard my story before, but anyway, the Lord uh, got me knocked down and I finally said uncle and I surrendered that false God and went to Bible school. So that was 40 years ago, uh, almost, and now I've spent the last 35 plus years in ministry as a pastor. You would think that the pull for chasing stuff would be dead right now, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think, you know, okay, you surrendered that back 40 years ago, and now you've been a pastor, and and you've honestly never had much, and that was okay, I surrendered that false god. Uh, Wouldn't you think chasing stuff would be dead by this time? (laughs) Wrong. Every day, every day, I still have to do a heart check. I still have to say, um, Lord, 
would it be okay if, uh, if, <laughs> if, if I buy another golf shirt, you know? And, and, and it's like the Lord whispers, go, go count your golf shirts, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, do you really want a new iPhone? Why do you want a new iPhone? Is it because your phone really isn't working properly, Jeff? Do you understand? I'm having these conversations and, and I'm asking. And, and it's amazing. Uh, and I'm not saying he, he speaks out loud, but clearly in my spirit, through his Holy Spirit, he's speaking and he's talking. And I already talked about um, everybody I know has a brand new driver. You know, and I'm, I'm kind of sulking. You know, Lord, I, my, my old driver is five years old. Come on. And that's pretty much what the Lord says. Really? Really? There's the constant pull, my friends. And I just know this. We're all just a day away from getting sucked into the vortex of materialism. That's just the way we're built. Especially living in one of the richest nations at one of the richest times in our history. It's a little bit like tending a garden. How many of you have a garden? Can I, how many of you are gardeners? Anybody in the balcony got a garden? Okay, see you. Uh, how many of you enjoy pulling weeds? Can I see? Okay, I knew there would be a strange one or two, but okay. <laughs> Pray for those who like to pull weeds, okay? I, I'm pretty sure there's a pill for that condition. Uh, but here's what you need to know. If you got a garden, if you don't tend to the weeds, over time, what will weeds do to your plants? What will, what will they do? They'll take them over. They'll choke them out. Pretty soon you've got no fruit. You, you've got no plant. If you don't regularly, and good gardeners are like daily in there pulling the weeds, I'm telling you that's what we have to do as followers of Jesus. I wish it was, I did it 40 years ago, and it's not a problem anymore. How many of you would say, I'd vote for that program, right? Yeah, I, I want, let me do it strong, and I really mean it once, and then I never have to do it again. But here's the deal, it's a daily thing. Jesus, once again, today, you're my king. My allegiance is to you and your word and your spirit working in my life. My allegiance is to your kingdom and to your church. Um, Lord, <laughs> do the heart check. Show me today because I'm always in danger of getting sucked into that old materialistic, I got to have this and my life is all about the next new, nice, shiny thing. One last thought. And we're done. Jesus doesn't want, Jesus doesn't need our money. He doesn't need your stuff. Please understand that. It's not like he's, Jesus is filthy rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Jesus created the billions and billions of galaxies. He owns everything. But Jesus also knows that until you give him your treasure, until we daily yield our time, our talent, our treasure. Are you ready? He doesn't really have our hearts. See, the way to our hearts, he knows, because he built us, he created us, he knows he doesn't really have our hearts until we truly daily yield 
our stuff to him. How you been doing recently? How you been doing when it, when it comes to stuff, treasure, money? Doing well? Jesus, it's yours. <laughs> and, and as soon as that materialistic pull comes, Lord, pull those weeds out. Help, help me to get that ugliness out. Or maybe some of you here today would say, you know, I'm not doing so good. It's been a battle. Let's pray as we close. Would you be willing to pause and go before the Lord and just invite him to make himself clear to you right now? When it comes to the battle of serving God or money, Jesus, I need to hear from you. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at convincing myself of things that aren't true. But we need you, Lord, to speak. need to hear from you. We're listening. Lord, are there any weeds that need pulling today? Would you show me? Is there anything that's starting to compete with my allegiance and my love and devotion to you, Jesus? Lord, is is there any possession that I've got my fingers wrapped around tight and I'm determined to hold on to that no matter what? clear evidence, Jesus, that you're the master of my money, that you're the master of my treasure and my time and the talents you've blessed me with. threat of materialism is real and alive. Spending too much time and devotion on chasing after stuff. Anybody say, Jesus, you're talking to me? (laughs) And right now, I need to make some adjustments need to pull some weeds with your help and power, Uh, need to once again make you master and Lord over all of my life. I choose to serve you first and foremost. Anybody? Just as we close, not going to have you stand, not going to have you come forward. Just want to pray for you as we close. Lord, you're, you're talking to me today. Yeah. Anybody else? Balcony, anybody up there? Thank you, Lord, for speaking so clearly to us from Matthew chapter 6. It's alive and fresh and relevant. It's though it was just written for us this morning. It applies to where we're at so well. Pray for my friends right now who need to do some weed pulling in their lives. Or maybe they just haven't been in the habit of 
daily checking for the weeds of materialism that quickly grow in the garden of our lives. Give us the power, the the determination, the self-control to say no to the things that need to be said no to and, and yes to the things that we need to say yes to. We love you. Help us, Lord, who truly have our hearts in your hand. We know you want our hearts. That's what you care about first and foremost. Thanks again for allowing us to dig in together from your book. It's in Jesus' strong name we pray. I think we